In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host Jack. Jack, how are you? Uh, still reeling from disappointment from Sunday, but slowly on the mend, and uh, it might take until next Sunday for me to be in a good mood again. Well, look, Jack, let's sort this out, man. Let's get a bit positive. We were very down in our last podcast. We've got Ravens on uh, Sunday, and they need all the support and love we can give them, okay? I'm going to come back to life Sunday morning, I promise you. No. Let's start working it now, Jack. Come on, mate. And we have another superstar on the uh, phone today. We have Samantha Bunton, the NFL content director, also known as a hardcore Browns fan. Samantha, how are you? Uh, better than I was on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> like Jack, I'm sort of slowly coming back to life. Uh, I'll be recovered by next Sunday. Or, or someday when we win the Super Bowl, I suppose, in 100 years. Samantha, I've got to say I was loving your passion on uh, Sunday on uh, Twitter. Yeah, I was pretty fired up on Sunday. I, it's been a long time since I've had that much emotion for a Browns game. So I guess that's a good sign that they've made me care again. But it was a rough go. <laughs> okay, great. And uh, tell us, Samantha, why are you a Browns fan? I grew up in Cleveland. Um, my dad was obviously a big Browns fan, of course. My mom as well. So I grew up in a very sports-minded household, both football and baseball and very much Cleveland sports. So I think I was about, I don't know, five or six maybe when I kind of started to understand what was actually going on on that television. My dad was so glued to every Sunday and started watching the Browns. And um, it was it was easier to be a Browns fan back then. I was very little, but the, the Browns were, they were kind of good back then. So, <laughs> Well, hopefully things are changing to the, uh, to the better at the moment. Uh, that's my hope as well. I, I certainly am. I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic, perhaps. And a, a question for you straight away. If you were Dorsey for the day, what changes would you make? And let's try and do it in a positive way rather than just sack everyone. <laughs> you know, if I'm going positive, I'm, I'm sort of looking at the wide receiver issue and all those dropped passes and saying, you know, what can I do about this that isn't just about somebody losing their job? And, you know, I... <laughs> I wonder, it's, I don't love the idea of signing Des Bryant, but I wonder about maybe picking up a guy like Richard Matthews, who was let go by Tennessee earlier this week. It's not a perfect solution, but I would love to see them bring in somebody other than Landry, who has a little bit of veteran presence, who can kind of maybe help the entire unit gel a little bit better and to kind of give us some relief from the really, really inconsistent play that we've had out of that group. Loving it. Yes, Rashad Matthews, been calling out for him since even just before the rumours came out that he was going to be released. So, uh, no, 100%, get him on the plane, get him over. Uh, nice cheap deal, one or two years, job done. Excellent. And Samantha, who in the Browns organisation would you most want to go for a drink with at the moment? I, I'm tempted to say Demarius Randall. I mean, he seems like a fun guy. I guess as long as he agrees not to talk about the NBA and the Golden State Warriors, I would love to sit down and chat with him. <laughs> Yeah, 
he was very ballsy with his uh, proposal <laughs> of uh, a, a jersey for every tweet, retweet. <laughs> yeah, it was. It certainly made for some interesting off-season content. <laughs> I'd like to talk to him about something that's not Warriors related. <laughs> but Jack, he's been playing really well, hasn't he, recently? He's been phenomenal. Um, it was one of them trades that. I was saying in the off-season, I'd want to go out and sign a trade Boston, sign someone else that was available just as a... He had the skill set to do it because he's done it in college, but you just never know because he's not really played the role in the NFL with the Packers. So, um, no, he's really impressed me. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal. I'd say he's probably up there with one of our best players through four games. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm super happy with the trade with Kaiser. I think... It's actually looked quite positive for the Browns so far. Touch wood. Uh, Samantha, I've booked a table for you for three people, you and two others. You can bring someone from the Browns and, uh, and anyone else in the world. Who would you bring? I'm kind of tempted to bring in Greg Williams and also Dick LeBeau. I think that would be a really, really interesting conversation about defensive strategy. I'm slightly concerned that they might kill each other by the end yes. of dinner, but uh, <laughs> that might be interesting too. So, <laughs> Samantha, that's a that's a crazy combo. You could have uh, <laughs> could have had a, a nice relaxing meal, but it sounds, uh, yeah. All right, excellent. And uh, what film title would you say best describes the Brown season so far? I, my first instinct when I was thinking about this was just to pick anything that had like a train wreck or giant explosions in it or whatever, <laughs> but um, to get away from the old train wreck cliche, I, I was thinking about how this team has looked really, really different, not just from game to game, but within the framework of a single game from quarter to quarter or sometimes even the drive to drive. So I, I'm feeling a little bit of uh, three faces of Eve here. Uh, you know, who are you guys really? And it, it seems to change at the drop of a hat. So we'll hope they can kind of straighten that out and be more consistent. I think most films start on a negative and they always <laughs> get good at the end. So it's true. <laughs> All right, great. And the last question for me is what body part are you willing to give up for the Browns to win the Super Bowl? You know, I, as somebody who's always been a little bit more Indian than Browns, that I think of the Indians in the World Series. Sure, I'll give you an arm, a leg, both legs, what do you need? And I think of the Browns, I think, oh, maybe I'd give you a toe. But I know in the moment, if the Browns were really about to start playing a Super Bowl, it would be like, what do you need? I mean, do you want like a, an arm, a leg, a, both arms, some ears, an eye, whatever they need? How about a major organ? I, you know, I mean, it fits with the idea that I've always assumed that I will die at halftime during the Browns' first Super Bowl appearance with them up by a touchdown. So maybe it's the heart, technically. You heard it here first. And uh, what, what music are you going to die to having your heart attack <laughs> at the Super Bowl? Uh, <laughs> maybe Bernie Bernie, uh, just for old time's sake. <laughs> okay. Well, let's not try and make this happen, okay, Samantha? We don't want anyone to die on the show, okay? <laughs> let's hope not. <laughs> okay, good. And uh, yeah, moving on, what's your uh, 60 seconds headlines on the Raiders game? Uh, it's so hard to get away from the poor officiating comment. Um, I was very upset with this, as were, I think, a lot of Browns fans, but um, a lot of things went wrong here. I think there were a lot of missed opportunities for the Browns. We did see some good things as well on the emergence of 
of the offense. It's the first time we've really seen him, really, really positive. They put 42 points on the board for the first time. I think it was 2007, which would have been, I believe, their last playoff appearance as well. So those were some of the good things. Baker, um, I thought, looked okay. It's kind of the performance that you expect in the second go-round for a rookie quarterback. But I was very upset with Peppers, very upset with the special teams, a little bit upset with Haley. I think some of his play calling was quite good. At other moments, it was incredibly costly and atrociously bad. And the defense, I feel less inclined to be hard on them because they spent too much time on the field. The offense just couldn't hold on to the ball long enough. But some improvements to be made there as well. In all, I think it's a really frustrating game, made more frustrating by the fact that we had not one but two situations where if the officials had made the correct call, the Browns wouldn't have gotten. I know you feel very passionate about the uh, play calling. What was your um, view on that or take on that? Yeah, you know, it, there was some good and some bad. And I think it's a little bit frustrating to deal with here because we don't have 100% confirmation that this is all Haley or if this is a little bit Hugh or what. Um, I was not happy with the way that the rushers were used, although I think not as unhappy as some people were in terms of the way that they used Hyde versus Chubb in this game. Um, I also think, too, that there's this idea of kind of sticking with your guy and speaking of Callaway and a couple of other receivers here as well, that I wish they would stop drawing up plays to somebody who is continuously not able to hold on to the ball. It doesn't really help anybody. And, you know, I, I know they had some problems in plays that were not designed plays, broken plays, and that's obviously not the responsibility of a play caller, or I suppose you can argue that if you'd called a better play in the first place, you wouldn't have a broken play, but I wasn't thrilled with it. And 42 points, I know it's hard to make an argument against offensive play calling, but I felt that it could have been better. Yeah. Jack, your view? So, on my third time of re-watching the game, uh, I'm already at that stage, and the All-22 hasn't even come out yet. I sat there and the thing that I focused on was our offense on first downs and 10 um, is something I've been moaning about all season. I think it's been atrocious. So we had 15 run plays, 15 pass plays and one kneel. So if we just take the kneel out um, and look at the 30, looking at whether they were a success and got four yards or more, or they didn't, it was equal between the runs and the passes with seven successful and eight not. And for me, it's just a frustration that why are we constantly running on first down? I think it's just bad play calling. doesn't make sense. So for me, you're looking to run on short down situations. So if you're sort of at a third and one, run that. If you've got a, um, a situation where you're sort of in touchdown range, run on that. Or if you're running the clock down at the end, and the other time you run is when you're working the offense to the extent where they think you're going to pass it, and then they drag everyone out of the box. And if the numbers are in your favor that you're literally running against your four rushers coming at you and you've got five um, O-linemen, then run the ball and get some yards. But constantly it was run two to start nearly, nearly every drive um, throughout the game when we got possession was run for two. And the trouble is when you run for two, You've got second and eight, and you're not. There's no route to success there. I would rather we have three attempts at throwing it than we run on two, run on two, and then try throw for six. It's just it's madness, and I don't know why Haley hasn't uh, figured it out. But isn't uh, Jack? I'm a fickle sofa fan. But isn't we've got 42 points? You know, isn't it, isn't it safer to run with it versus than uh, throwing it all the time? 
Uh, yes and no, especially when our uh, wide receivers can catch cold. Um, I thought some of their play was awful, especially early on. But at times, if you saw there was sort of, a, I think it was five drives where we literally turned the ball um, and just kicked it straight back to them within one possession. Um, it, there needs to be the balance of pass and run, but pass needs to be favourable. It's a passing league. You're more likely to win if you pass the ball. Um, run games, it's fine. If you can get over four yards every single run, then run the ball. But when you're not doing that, it should be a pass-first team. And I've got no issue. If we throw for six yards and then we don't complete one, then try run for the last bit. But the idea that we run first and then try throw the ball and give Baker less attempts, because he's having to throw deeper when he's throwing on second or third, whereas he can throw for four yards on his first throw and it's positive play. So um, stop forcing his hand to throw as, as deep and uh, just get the pass out there quicker. Samantha? Yeah, I agree with that. I think they kind of went from one extreme to the other. We had a team last year that just absolutely refused to run the ball and really didn't have any weapons with which to pass the ball. And now we've kind of swung back the other way under Haley. Last year it was Hugh calling the plays. But I, I agree with Jack in that, you know, the rule changes in the NFL over the past, let's say, 20 years have turned it into a pass-first league. The rules are on your side, essentially. If you're throwing the ball, they've made it easier. It's what the league felt would give them, I guess, the, the largest audience and, and the biggest profit margin, which is what, of course, all of this really comes down to. So given that, though, I think that it's designed to allow you to, or at least to help you, succeed as a passive team. So it seems silly to do this, and especially, like you said, to run it on first down. I, to me, it's, it's almost a momentum killer when you're talking about these little three-yard runs when you've just gained a first down and then it kind of takes the air out of the tire. Mm. But look at Chubb's numbers. It says, like, let's play Chubb a lot more. I think on the um, Chubb stuff, I've said it, you need the balance of it. So Chubb, when he came into the draft process, there was people saying if he wouldn't have had the injury, he'd be on par with Barkley for where he's getting drafted. And who knows? He might not be the same player after that injury, but he's shown a lot of promise. So I'd be looking on... Hyde is your perfect short yardage, goal line back. He's a warrior for a few yards, and it'll get, most times it will get them two, three yards. So use him when you need to do that. When you're trying to get up the field, you need to be having Chubb in there. And I would say you want to roughly be breaking down between them two, give them each about 10 touches a game. And then you want about 10 touches for Duke Johnson. Two of them might be running and eight of them receiving. But just mix it up with the three. You've got three fantastic backs. Use them what they're good at. Hyde is there to get you two, three yards when you need two to three yards. Chubb needs to be your big play guy. That If you're running on first down, get Chubb in there or get Drew Johnson in there. There's no reason you'd ever have Hyde in there. First down to run two yards. And what about the, what about the defensive side? Uh, the defence wasn't as sharp as it has been in the first three games. Do you think that's bad calling? Yeah, um, I think the defence sort of went off the cliff when uh, Mitchell got injured. I think Gruden doesn't get enough credit for the work he does on offence, so I give him some respect there. I think as soon as Mitchell went down, the team just didn't look as good, and I truly fear for the quality of the um, defence for the rest of the season. I was a big fan of a signing Richard Breland, and it didn't happen. 
Um, and that worries me now where our depth's going to be. But um, fingers crossed, we can turn it around somehow. Um, we'll find out, though. I just I don't know where our defence is going to go now. I've, I feel less confident. I won't be starting him in fantasy for a little while until I see how it plays out. I think Mitchell's loss is probably one of the most painful positions it could have been. Sort of everywhere else, we've got a solid backup in most places. There's only two great cornerbacks for me on our roster. Samantha? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, that Mitchell injury was kind of crushing. <laughs> I think, you know, it's Randall, the versatility, I think that he has helped a little bit. I'm not sure that's how I want that to go, but I saw, you know, there were a number of guys who, and you mentioned Breland, Jack, and a number of people like that who I saw kind of come and go on the free agent market that I really wish that the Browns had gone after. I, it, some of them, I think, ultimately were would not really have been realistic for the team at the time, but I'm very into the idea of, and this is where I peppers just makes me insane. He is probably the player on this team who frustrates me the most. I, I just, I would love to see somebody brought in, in one of those two safety positions, ultimately, especially if you were going to move Randall to a sort of quarterback of the defense type. Like I have this like lifelong dream that we bring in sort of an Eric Weddle type guy to come in there and kind of direct everybody. In addition to just doing his job on the field, but in terms of what they're working with now, I mean, this is where that, that depth issue, like Jack was saying, comes into play. I'm really, really worried about this. I feel sort of like we need to see another performance before we know how big the impact of using Mitchell is, but I don't feel great about it. I think my... Jack, is there, anyone else, is there anyone out there in the free agent at the moment? There's not really. Sort of all the free agents have gone. I was surprised, actually shocked how cheap... Breland was because there was a talk it was going to be three years, eight million a year um, deal that he was going to go for. And it wasn't until this week I looked after the uh, Mitch injury, he le- went for less than a million. How we can't find, whether it's two and a half, whether it's more, I'd have happily paid that for one year. Um, I thought it would have been a fantastic addition. You can never have enough cornerbacks. If you have Four or five, I can understand you don't want to add any more. But you've got to have four starting level cornerbacks in the NFL. Because most teams, I say most teams, nearly there's two teams in the NFL that aren't using uh, nickelback on a regular basis. We're one of them, unfortunately. And that allows you to create a better defense. If the other team's going to be playing with three wide receivers, you need three cornerbacks on the field. And for me... You've got to have four starting-level cornerbacks. We've got two, and I think we're going to be in a really weak position here. And if I'm still in favour, however good Ward and Mitchell come back, if they're both perfect, cornerback would probably at the moment be my first-round pick in the next NFL draft. Do you think you've been a bit harsh on uh, EJ Gaines and uh, TJ Carey? They haven't proved it so far. I think Carey might be okay in the uh, nickelback role, but I don't think he's a starting outside. Guy. And don't forget, we've got BBC as well that can play the uh, uh, cornerback as well. Yeah, he, he can. Um, I think he was a lot better this season, uh, last season than he was this season. But um, it's for him to uh, see if he can uh, repeat that work. Do you feel that um, Miles Garrett's getting overplayed as well at the moment, playing every single snap? Um. Yeah, I think it's silly. Um, and I think that probably caused our defence to struggle in the fourth quarter. I've always said 
Um, you're starting DNs, you're starting D tackles. You need three for each position to rotate between the two, and they should play two thirds of snaps. Um, from a pure perspective, I want them fresh. Um, have three of them, three DNs, three D tackles, and just run them all into the ground. Uh, 66% each, and a few other packages where you move it around, but that's where I'll be aiming to. Do you feel that Garrett's being overplayed at the moment? I do. Um, I, he was out there for, what, 90% of the snaps in this game. Um, it's, it, this whole unit is predicated on the idea, and I hope I'm not repeating anything that you said a moment ago, Doc, because I was having trouble hearing that some, you know, this is supposed to be rotational, and as much as Miles Garrett is amazing, and of course, I, in a perfect world, you'd want to see him out there on every play. I think they are overusing him, especially with the injury concerns going back to last season. I know he looks fine right now, but you've got to be careful with that. And while I want him out there the majority of the time, I, I think this is being somewhat mismanaged. Yeah. But yeah, thanks, Samantha. I agree that we've got um, uh, Ogabar and Smith and obviously Garrett. We've got three good uh, defensive ends. We should be uh, rotating a bit more evenly. I would argue you've even got Avery in there as well. Um, that even though he does it as a stand-up rusher, um, makes no difference. I think he's fantastic to slide in there. I wouldn't mind sliding um, Smith inside and trying him in that rotation as sort of a uh, three-tech, um, sort of rotating with Coley and rotating with um, Joby. I think he, he could do a role there. Yeah, and... Uh... Jack, Samantha, special teams. I just feel like watching it back again, we're just so bad. Surely with um, special teams, I've just watched it back again, this tape. Amos's job's got to be up on the line soon, surely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you spent years, well, I spent years, and I would imagine that many of other Browns fans did as well, screaming about how badly I wanted Chris Tabor fired. And this is not an improvement. I mean, Amos has been absolutely terrible. This isn't working. There is no reason to keep a special teams coach on for continuity. They're, it's very different from a head coach or a coordinator. You're not exactly redesigning a playbook or anything like that or trying to fit somebody into your system who has a very specialized skill set in that way. There's no way. I mean, I probably would have let him walk home on Sunday if it were up to me. <laughs> Yeah, if, if I'm Hugh, I am sacking him. He should have been gone uh, on Monday. Um, and I'm stepping up to the plate. Hugh is playing for his job. He should be taking control of special teams. He should be telling Dorsey, get back on the phone to Jeff Janis. I need him here. I want him here. I need him here. He should never have been released because our special teams aren't good enough. And you don't get rid of your special teams aces unless you've got people to replace them. And there's other people out there in the NFL, just go and grab them. Get two, three, get three players on the roster who only do special teams. Um, if the Pats can do it with a handful of people, everyone should be able to do it. Because quite frankly, our sort of sixth wide receiver and sixth running backer that sometimes make it, get rid of, get rid of Chad Thomas, make him inactive, and get me Jeff Janis on that roster and playing every week just on special teams. Don't play him as a wide receiver, just special teams. Is it, is it, mate, he's a third-round pick, though. That's the thing. We can't just cut him or put him on inactive now. Uh, we're doing it with our second-round pick, Corbett, 
who was the... Um, so, if Hugh Jackson doesn't think Corbett's any good, which I didn't like as a pick from day one, and he thinks Watford's better, then we can make Chad Thomas inactive because Chad Thomas might turn out to be a great development prospect. We'll give Dorsey a bit of slack on that one. Make someone inactive. When he's inactive, I don't think I've ever seen him out there. Get me Jeff Janis. I want him, and I want him now. Samantha, any views on that? Yeah, I agree with that. I think, especially with special teams players, there's no reason not to get out there and if it's not working go out and get somebody else I mean the Browns really missed the boat on when the Cowboys cut Dan Bailey for example and right after the worst of the thing Gonzalez to happen and instead they missed the opportunity and instead the Vikings got him and they had had problems very similar to the Browns there and they were quicker on the draw it happened the very next morning after their game the Browns could have done the same thing didn't do it I think they need to be faster on with the hook um, if you're not performing then Make him an active, cut him. I don't care. At this point, you have something to play for, which you haven't had for a very long time. And like you said, if you're you, you're you're coaching for your job. You got to make this happen. Yeah, because is there anyone else in our team that can do uh, pump returns at the moment or kick returns? I don't think it matters so much who's returning them because there's no space to run into. Um, you could put anyone back there. You could take the best punt returners the world's ever seen. And if there's no space to run into because the special teamers aren't blocking for them, then they're not likely to go very far. And my other big hate is if they kick it into the end zone, kneel it down. I don't care who you are. Take the 25-yard line, yards, just enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, eh? I think uh, something needs to change. And we're yeah, already midweek point and it uh, looks like nothing's going to change before the uh, Ravens game. It feels like the front office has been very quiet this week. Um, it's one of them that there's not much they can do. Um, Haslam's the one who can uh, sack you and if he's the one in charge of the special teams coach, then other than sack you, there is nothing... I think it's, it's down to Hugh. Does Hugh want to stay in this job? If Hugh wants to stay in this job, special teams have got to get better. We can't get, after every single game, he does a press conference and goes, it wasn't good enough, we need to improve. That's not good enough, Hugh. You've been here for two and a half years and it's not got any better. You need to go and sort it. Hmm. All right, well, we've got some questions from some of our fans. Jim Custard from Ireland. Galloway, going out to see him later in the year. What rule, other than the catch or roughing calls, would you like to see changed? Go on, Jack. Um, for me, it's overtime. Um, I would do it much more like football soccer and do a toss of the coin for who goes first. And whether you want to do a single two-point conversion and um, bring one team on, bring the other team on, uh, sudden death, um, whoever doesn't score first loses um, or do something like set it up from the 15-yard line and do um, a case of um, whoever converts first for a touchdown in four downs wins. Um, but I think just something as simple as from the two-yard line, 
two-point conversion and just keep going until one team wins and loses. Doesn't that. No messing around and uh, see what happens. Samantha, anything that you would change with the uh, current uh, rules? I, I agree. I think that overtime needs to be fixed. Um, I also don't love the changes that they've made over the last couple of years to the kickoff rule. I liked it the way it was. I'm not sure the data backs up this idea that it is to prevent injury. Um, so I, I guess I'm more arguing for returning the kickoff rules to what they used to be because you can see sort of the progression of rule changes there that is going to effectively probably phase out the kickoff or the relevance of the kickoff entirely. And I don't like that. Yeah, I think um, a big thing at the moment is obviously protecting the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people are saying it's uh, why, why are we getting all these high-scoring games at the moment? It's because the quarterback is being so well uh, protected. Oh, 100%. I thought the worst call in the game, for the, uh, in the Browns game, wasn't actually the, was it a first down or not, or even the fumble. The worst call by far was the roughing the passer one um, that we somehow got and went against the Raiders. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It just literally ran into him. It wasn't even like he pushed him or hurt him. Um, Baker's fist bumping the defender afterwards going, no, you're fine, mate. Um, It was just, it was madness. How was that roughing the passer? He's just ran into him like one step after he's thrown. Hmm. I've got a question from friend of Zagura. This is probably a good one for you, Jack. It's all about Cap. He loves John Dorsey, but his history of, of mismanaging Cap space um, has been an issue. With all the young talent we've got, how is he going to manage that going into the next four to five seasons? It is a worry, I'm not going to lie. Um, thankfully, my hero, Sashi, has built up enough of a uh, backbone that... Uh, we won't have to deal with this problem for a little while. But if Dorsey thinks sort of a Landry's value at 15.5 million a year, then I fear what's going to come around when Garrett's probably going to be asking for a bigger deal than Donald or um, Matt got. Because potentially goes to the level I want. He's going to be after about 13% of the NFL salary cap as well. Um, that's going to leave you very weak. And and I'll, I'll hold my hands up. Gruden made the right call that if you can get an offer of two first-round picks from one of these cracking players down the line, take it because you can't have a roster where 26% of your salary cap is between one pass rusher and one quarterback because that leaves you very, very poor to pay And what I don't want to have is players lots of average players. I would much rather have zero elite players and just a, an above-average squad of 20 players because then injuries don't kill you and you're able to consistently perform and treat the offence in different ways. Yeah, Samantha, any views on that? You know, I just to kind of defend Dorsey a little bit quickly, I know a lot of that history issue goes back, of course, to Kansas City, but some of that was really more, actually a lot of it was really more Andy Reid than Dorsey. Um, there were a lot of sort of conflicting opinions there. Reid had been granted perhaps more power than you should get as a head coach, or if you are granted that power, somebody probably should have warned GM about it. But um, 
you know, Reed's decision-making, I think, played a huge role in the cap issues that they had in Kansas City. So I kind of giving Dorsey a little bit of a pass until I see what he does here with a team where it's his decision 100% individually to see how he handles a cap. Good defense there, Samantha. I like that. And, um, yeah, Samantha, I just want to say, yeah, apologies for the uh, the backup or the poor line tonight. Maybe the uh, Wi-Fi in New York's not very good at the moment. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's on my end. It always is. <laughs> we have horrible Wi-Fi connections here, so I'm so sorry, everybody. I hope you can hear me. <laughs> no worries. And I've just got two quick questions for yourself. How many... Um, now, how many, uh, what do you think the total Browns uh, win number will be now? Oh, I'm going to go with five, um, it's, which feels like a, a pretty big mountain from where we're at right now. It may be as low as four. Um, it's a little bit difficult in one way. You say, okay, you've already lost a lot of winnable games. What is there out there to say that that will change? On the other hand, if you can hang with people like Pittsburgh, like New Orleans, and stay competitive, stay in a game, then who's to say that maybe those things don't break your way later in the season? Have a lot of young players with a lot of talent, which to me says you only get better. Um, five is probably a little bit optimistic, but. I can't bear to say with the level of talent that I see on this roster that it's really only going to be two or three wins. I'm still keeping the belief that we can win this division. Um, I, I honestly think it. Um, if we can stick up 42 points, as long as we can get over the Terence Mitchell injury, and I think the talent is there that I'm not going to rule out yet winning the division. And I came into this season saying, it's a done season, don't get too excited. I'm excited. It's happening. Baker's only getting better. It's all good. Wow, Jack's come alive. I love this, Jack. <laughs> Jack, what do you think about the uh, uh, Ravens and the Bengals, though, mate? They're looking... uh, they've impressed me at this level. I think Flacco will fall off a cliff at some point. Um, I'm really looking forward to Baker versus their D. I think it's going to be exciting. Bengals, they'll find a way to screw it up. I felt so bad for Tyler Eifert. Um, just such an unlucky injury. It could have happened to anyone. Um, but no, I, I, the only thing that worries me is the uh, schedule. But so, if we can get to the bye at a decent level, we can win four or five of them last games if we're flying because <coughs> it's a much easier schedule on the tail end. Them last six games, uh, there's probably easier games in them last six than there is in the first ten. So... If we can get to the bye, winning, let's say, five, um, we can pick up four more wins after the bye. We're at, what's that, nine, six, and one. Uh, I, I wouldn't rule out nine, six, and one being good enough. Yeah, the game against the Ravens is obviously a huge divisional game this weekend. So, um, yeah, we get a win there, and that could really shake up the uh, table. 100%. Everything's to play for. While we've got Baker, we've still got a chance. And we're not at the bottom of the uh, division at the moment. We're sitting there in third, which is good. Samantha, what's your hot, 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 super hot take for the Browns this season? You know, I was... Uh, <laughs> Jack just said he thinks they're going to win the division. My hot take was I think they're going to finish second in the division. <laughs> and I thought that was super controversial. But um, Jack has come to me on this one. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I really do. Um, I think a lot hinges on this game against the Ravens this weekend if they can get a win here. And I do think it's very 
very possible. Uh, the Ravens have not convinced me so far with what they've done. And, you know, as Jack said, the Bengals will find a way to destroy their own chances. So I'm not too worried about them. Pittsburgh is a mess. A lot of opportunity here in the division very wide open. So to me, I would consider a second place finish tremendous. I would consider a 500 season tremendous, any of those things. But the way the rest of the division is playing right now, I think it has really, really opened it up for the Browns in a way that doesn't necessarily require them to play as far over their heads as we would have thought coming into the season. But with Pittsburgh's just absolutely disastrous start and what we know about Cincinnati and, you know, like Jack said as well, that Flacco is absolutely not going to continue at the pace that he's been playing at it. His numbers are really skewed from that first game against Buffalo in week one. So I think the Browns have a great chance to finish pretty high in this division and certainly, certainly to position themselves to be a very serious competitor in the North next year. Well, you heard it here first. Samantha's gone with second in the division. Um, Samantha, I just want to say thank you very, very much for your time. Oh, thank you so much, guys. My pleasure. I'm sorry about the audio. I hope you can uh, salvage some of this. So, Where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at Samantha Button on Twitter, um, or you can always catch us at SNF on NBC. That's my company's website, Sunday Night Football, of course. And if you want my Brown-specific content, just go to my personal Twitter. You can see me raging again this Sunday, or actually, hopefully, I'll be jubilant this Sunday on, like, uh, a couple of days ago. Thank you. Samantha, how are you going to celebrate winning on Sunday? Oh, gosh. You know, we have a couple of bottles of champagne sitting around that we were saving one for hopefully the Indians win the World Series. But I got to tell you, if the Browns beat the Ravens, I'd have to crack one open. Well, I'd certainly be spraying some champagne if we win on Sunday, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Cheers, absolutely. <laughs> it's when, not if, Paul. I'll crack <laughs> All right, guys, thanks a lot for your time. And, uh, yeah, Samantha, hope to catch up with you later on in the season as well. Sounds terrific. Thanks so much, guys. All right, thank you very much, Samantha. Thanks. Take care, guys. Jack, change is coming. There's change coming